0: We get an opportunity to uh, hear from God's word this evening, and primarily and simply to talk about um, why this day is good. Just the irony that we would call a day like this for some years, Good Friday. Because no one remembers the day of a death of someone whom they've loved and they've ever called that day good. But when the one who died is God himself put on flesh, and what it means for us and what it means for the world And what it means for every single sinner who would come in repentance and faith to that particular cross, it does become good. And so my hope for us today is to be able to understand ultimately why and how we come to the cross simply not only just confessing our sin, but understanding our sin. Because when we begin to understand the weight of our sin, we understand the sweetness of the cross. Now, many of you here, you know that. You've heard that before. You've been to Good Friday services before, and there are many of you here who have not heard that, that that we celebrate the death of someone. We celebrate the death of God. And on Easter, we come back and we celebrate his resurrection. But not many of us, maybe today, who have thought about and contemplated the words we just sing that we would cling to the old rugged cross, that personally that we begin to think about and remind ourselves of why the cross was necessary, not just for people, but for you, and why the cross would be necessary for us. I think of it this way. Um, Oftentimes when it comes to the weight of sin or bearing our sin, we, we we don't think about it a lot. We don't think about how our sin offends God. We don't think about sin in itself. It's something we'd rather not talk about. Um, we may not even um, understand oftentimes uh, what that weight feels like and the burden that sin is. And if we think about it, maybe we can recall a moment in our lives, maybe when we first trusted in Christ that we begin to understand the weight of sin. Think of it this way. If you've ever had a conversation where you know you had to sit down with a good friend of yours, someone whom you deeply love and you know deeply loves you, and you've offended that person, And you have to look that person in the eyes and tell that person that you have deeply wronged them and or offended them. You know going into that meeting the way you feel. You understand um, the things that are going through your head, how you're going to get it out. How you are going to look them directly in the eyes and say, there's something I have done that has hurt you, that has offended you. For those of you in the room who are married, you know what that's like. That when you've offended your spouse... That you've done something wrong against your spouse and you have to go and you have to sit down and you have to look them directly into the eyes and ha- ask the proverbial question, like, how are we? Right? And we, we understand sometimes that we know that there are certain things that we can do that the person could be on the other side of the table, they can get up and leave and never return. And we feel that weight. And oftentimes, there's moments that we go into that conversation with someone whom we love and who deeply loves us. And we know no matter what we're going to say, they're still going to love us and they're still going to be with us and they're not going to leave us. And I think it's in those moments that our sin even becomes weightier. There's something about knowing that on the other side of the table of looking them deeply in their eyes and them looking deeply and directly into your eyes and you being honest about what, it's, what it is that you've done. There's something about that, knowing that they're going to love and forgive you, that you begin to realize even more how weighty the issue is, how weighty the sin is, the offense of the sin, because you've just scorned the one and whom you love and whom you know loves you. It's the latter in which we come to, to Good Friday that we come to the cross. That we come to the cross acknowledging our sin, ultimately because we know that we're coming to a Savior. Knowing that we have a Savior who stands ready to forgive. Knowing that we have a Savior who can look us directly into our eyes and tell us the truth about ourselves. Many of us, we don't have people in our lives that are going to tell us the truth. We have people in our lives that will say things that are nice. They will beat around the bush, as we would say, but directly tells us the truth about how our actions actually offend and hurt and wrong them. But when we come to the gospel and we come to the cross, the cross in which we cling, we see because God so loves us, he's honest with us. The the, the scripture that I want us to just look at tonight briefly here comes out of Psalm 32, verse 5. And it reads like this, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The writer of this psalm is King David, and the context of which he's writing this is he has just sinned against God. He sinned against a woman. He killed the man. I mean, there's a lot of bad things that's happening here. But he takes this sin, and ultimately what he's saying is there's a moment in time where he came to his senses. Ultimately, the Bible calls it Repentance that he turned from his ways and his, persp- his perspective, and he began to place them solely, squarely upon the Lord. And he says, I came to you and I acknowledge my sin. I begin to confess my sin. I acknowledge my iniquity. And I think there's something we can learn about this that will help us in this moment, that will help us come to the cross afresh. The, the first thing that he says is, he says, I acknowledge my sin. That means you got to be aware of sin. That sin in itself is not just a mistake. Sin in itself is not just something that other people do. That every single one of us, every single one of us that are adults, every single one of the children that we're sinners. And it needs to be told as plain as that. You are a sinner and your sin separates you from a holy, loving, merciful God. That you and I don't just become sinners when we sin, but we sin because we are sinners. And there's no period of time, there's no amount of books that you could read or time could go by in which somehow you can cure or fix that problem. You still have to look at Jesus into the eyes and tell him that you've offended him. David comes and says, I acknowledged my sin. I acknowledge it to you. When it it comes to those of us who are walking in Christ, we, we may have say we remember that moment. And I always thought that was very interesting that we say we remember that moment, that somehow there was a moment and only a moment in which you acknowledge your sin to the Lord. The nature of being a Christian and following Christ is that there's not a moment or just a moment in which you acknowledge your sin, but there's numerous of moments in which you acknowledge sin to God and to others, that this becomes a pattern of your life. And to some of us, that may seem morbid. It may seem like, why would you always want to be talking or confessing sin? Isn't there any joy in this? Your joy actually comes in acknowledging it and realizing that you yourself can no longer carry it. In fact, what David goes from here is he says, I I did not cover my iniquity. Um, I'm talking to you guys right now who are, who are Christians, right? If you're not a Christian in this room, you can, you, can, you can tune in. But I'm talking to those of us who've been following Jesus because this is, this is something that's interesting about us um, as Christians. There was a moment that we think about where somehow we could be completely honest before God and others. It usually happened at the beginning of our walk with Jesus. That somehow it was totally okay to tell God everything in our hearts and all of our thoughts and all of our wicked deeds. That we could just say it out loud and we would be bold enough before the Lord and others because we believed in grace. Like we actually believed that there was something on the cross that Jesus did for me. They just were not words. And so we were honest and we felt a sense of freedom in that. And then somehow we began to live the lie that the rest of our life we had to figure out on our own. As if there was such a life in which we came to the cross, we confessed our sins, and we moved on to something else. As if the cross was not the way in which our lives would be shaped and sustained and motivated. Here's what I mean. If you're like me, the longer you begin to grow in the Lord, the more expectations people had of you as a Christian. And the more expectations people had of you as a Christian, the harder it was to come clean in your sin. Like the more and more people said, oh, you know Jesus? That means there's an expectation of which we have of you because you've been walking with the Lord. It's almost as if we'd rather say, no, I'm still a new Christian. I get to get away with stuff. I get to tell you the truth. No, I'm, I've been a Christian for a while, so I have to conceal it and I have to hide it because there's an expectation you have. Think about that, guys. When we started at the foot of the cross, we were not thinking about how will people think of me, but we were absolutely enamored about what God thought of us. That there was a moment that somehow it was not, will people separate from me? But it was the excitement that God Himself has tethered Himself to you and that He will never let go. That we were able to come to the Lord with sin and receive His mercy and grace, and yet as we grew older, we could not. But somehow we just came to ourselves and we justify our own sin. And and we justify it in particular ways. There's circumstances, there's situations where these sorts of things kind of happen and we don't come boldly, we don't come clearly and we don't come back to the cross and say, Lord, I've done it again. I think about my seventh grade math teacher that I was never really good at math. And I would come to her, and you know, once you get to junior high, the answers are, the odd answers are in the back, and so I never came to her with the odd answers. I always came with the even um, questions, actually, not the answers. And I would say, can you help me? And I was horrible at, at word problems. Um, reading comprehension wasn't my best thing, and so now you put math and reading comprehension together, and it, was, it, it just wasn't helpful for me. And so I'd come, and the teacher would help me get to the formula, and once I got the formula, then I can begin to understand how to get this, this pre-algebra thing done. And then I'd get to the next question, and I'd look at her. And she'd look at me. And I'd walk back up there again. And I'd say, Mrs. Spellman, can you help me again with this? And she'd help me again. Then I'd go back. And I'd finish the question. Then I'd look at her. And then she would look at me. And I'd go back. And we'd do this thing over and over again. And there would come a point. There's, there, there would come a point where I would not look at her anymore. And I would sit there and just not get the problem right. Because I thought, there's no way I can walk back up here again and her to help me again. I'd rather just make something up instead of having to go back as if she was done, right? We treat God like that sometimes. Like God is saying, you got about 10 free passes. And once you reach that 10th, there's no way you can come to me with your sin anymore. You should know better than that. Somehow we believe that gospel, which is no gospel. That is not good news. That is terrible news. And what we do as followers of Christ, we start off acknowledging our sin, but then when it comes now for us to go to go back to the Lord, we're, we're kind of done and we'll try to figure it ourselves. There's, there's, there's many of us in this room who have issues and sin issues in which we're trying to deal with now. And we're trying to deal with them with our own means and not the resources of the Spirit of God, the people of God, the Word of God. We'll, we'll just kind of figure it out, and it's not working. David said, I, I, I didn't hide my sin. And he continues and he says this, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and he forgave the iniquity of my sin. One of the truest marks of us being able to get this day, there's there's no spiritual swag in which we walk around with. One of the true clear signs that we begin to mature as followers of Christ is not that we begin to sin less, but we understand how more sinful we are. C.S. Lewis says it this way. When a man is getting better, he understands more and more clearly the evil that is still left in him. When a man is getting worse, he understands his own badness less and less. You know what the most godless phrase may be? I'm okay. When people ask you, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. And I get it. We could say okay, and there's nothing completely wrong with it. But when it comes to our spiritual life, I'm not sure if I'm okay is the best thing. Like if we're really talking about my spiritual life and my spiritual life with the Lord, ultimately, there's gotta be something of understanding. I understand that I'm a sinner. God is good. He's forgiven me. He's reconciled me. And I understand that doesn't make for a great conversation, nor am I saying that's what every, every time someone asks you, how are you doing? You need to answer that way. But I am kind of saying right now that many of us would actually even answer before God, I think I'm doing okay because the way that we judge it is I'm not sinning really bad and I'm not here and I'm not here. I'm kind of just okay. But it doesn't mean that we're clinging to the cross. It doesn't mean that we're confessing and receiving the mercy and the grace that the, the Lord gives us. And, and what, how the writer talks about here, ultimately, there's a progression. And there's a progression of even our sin. Um, when we talk about sin, we think of sin in general, like, oh, i like missing the mark and so forth. But I want to be able to just give you the progressions of sin here and the words that, which, that David used. The first word there is sin. And sin does mean missing the, missing the mark. In fact, what we get the word sin in our English language from is from archery, in which someone would try to hit a mark and they would, they would shoot at the mark. And if they did not hit the mark squarely in the middle, uh, someone would yell out, the official would yell out, um, sin, you missed the mark. The the, the mark that we have ultimately is aiming at holiness, is aiming at Jesus. And since none of us in this room are Jesus, um, God is always going to yell out sin that we've missed the mark. And this could be intentionally or unintentionally. This could be sins of commission. This could be sins of omission. That means commission is the thing that God says, uh, don't do this, and you did it. And omission, God says, make sure you do this, and then you don't do it. That's sin in its broadest sense. But then, then the writer goes a little further. If you look at the word iniquity, or excuse me, transgression. If you look at transgression, transgression takes a little bit further for us. Transgression is you knew it was wrong, and yet you did it anyway. You knew God said do it, but you didn't do it. So I've been thinking about this all day. That's all of us. You, you, you you don't, you you may, you may say maybe today I got past that, but transgression is, is a little bit deeper because there's some things that we do unintentionally. We've all had the relationship with a friend or a spouse and they said, yeah, you've done that. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. doesn't mean that it's right, but you didn't know it. And then there's moments where you're going, I know I should not do this and you do it anyway. And sometimes there's even physiological things that remind you, your heart starts beating faster, I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's an offense against God. Even as those of you who are his children, it's still an offense against God. And do we ever take the time to look at that and go, this hurt God, or what do we do Is we skip to an Easter message as fast as we can? Oh, God's going to forgive it. He got out of tune. God's going to forgive it that we don't begin to understand. Wait, 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 wait. wait. This bothers God. Like your actions bother God. Does he love you? Absolutely. Because he loves you, it bothers him. There's not a father or a mother in this room who doesn't deeply love their kids, that there are things that they do that they say don't do. They don't go, I, I, that bothers me. Because you don't listen. The question here is not ever, does God love us? It's, do we love God? Not, is, is God going to always be with us? Are we always going to be with God? It's solely on what would we do with our lives? Would we trust it in the hands of God or we take it back? Put in our own hands. Transgressions is saying, "God, I see what you say, but I'm not going to listen at all." And then the writer takes it to the last verse, and you forgave my iniquity. That word iniquity is as as dark as it gets. And iniquity is, I know what you said, and I'm going to plan to do the opposite. That I'm going to wake up in the morning and think about ways in which I cannot obey God. That this is something that I'm planning. And some of us in this room are going, "Oh, that's for people who don't believe in Jesus. That's for us." How many of you guys are planning on a wedding or planning on a party or planning on a trip that you know there are things that I'm going to do on this that I can't wait? Because we plan it. That, That I know I shouldn't be there, but I'll give myself some sense of a pass because it doesn't really matter. Guys, it comes down to do we love God, not if God loves us. Jesus has already finished the work. Jesus has already hung on the cross. Jesus Christ is the one who says, I forgive sins, but he forgives sins of sinners who come to him and repentance and faith. The reason why we can come to him is because he's already ready to forgive. That Jesus is, is, is looking at us like I was in my seventh grade math chair and going, would you please come back? Would you please come back? Would you please come back up? Would you please come back up? That on the cross, Jesus says to ultimately to our sin, that it's his shed blood that gives us forgiveness, real forgiveness. That, that on the cross, when we begin to understand and bring our sins to God, that he looks at our transgressions when we have willfully and in our own presumption sinned against him, that he gives us pardon. That when Jesus looks at our iniquity, when we confess it before him, as David says, you forgave me. After he confessed it, he says, you forgave me. That God himself looks at our iniquity when we've completely turned our back on him. And that he shed his blood to blot out it, blotted out our sin. That he's taken it and he's spread it apart as far as the east from the west. And, and, and here's the deal. Why this day becomes so good. When we do acknowledge our sin and simultaneously acknowledge our Savior, there's, there, there's a sweetness to it. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to do it again. And it's not gonna surprise the sovereign God. And we're gonna come to him again. And we're gonna say, God, we did it again. We're gonna look across that table and he's gonna look in the eyes and he's gonna say, I forgive you and I love you. And we'll say things like we do. We're not gonna do this anymore. Lord, we're gonna change our ways. And then we're gonna go about our ways and we're gonna forget him again. And we're gonna sin again. And there's gonna be transgression and there's gonna be iniquity. And we're gonna go back to him and we're gonna sin across that table we're going to look him directly in his eyes and him in our eyes, and he'll tell us the truth once again that he forgives us and that he's always loved us. And then we're going to do it again. And this pattern will happen again and again and again. But the two words that Jesus said on this day when he died on the cross reigns true, that it's finished, that there's nothing about God and himself and his, and his wrath that he's looking for you, that when God comes looking for us, he looks for us out of love. When God comes to forgive us, he forgives us out of love. When God looks us in the eye, he looks to not break the relationship to the restore what we've tried to break. That this whole Good Friday thing is good because God himself outloves us. That our sin ultimately can't outsin the grace and the love of God. The most scandalous thing about Christianity, that there is nothing we bring to the table and yet God freely gives us all. And when you sit with people you love, that you know you sin against you know it's going to cost them everything in order for the relationship to be to be intact and it's going to cost them a lot in order for the relationship to flourish and what the gospel lets us know is that we come to the lord and we acknowledge our offenses we acknowledge our sin before him that it's a great cost to him in order for the relationship to be intact and not only to be intact but to flourish and that great cost was that god himself would die for us and that he would bleed for us and that his blood would be shed that our sins would be forgiven past, present, and future. Amen.